Welcome to the Men's Leadership Network podcast, where each month we're exploring what it means to be a godly leader in our homes, workplaces, and communities. We want to be a resource for men who are seeking spiritual leadership principles so that they can live and lead differently in all aspects of their life. This initiative is not just about reaching, but equipping men for Christ. As always, listen to the end to hear our guest answer our favorite question, what do you want your legacy to be? And we hope our conversations will help you answer that question yourself and better equip you to pursue it for God's glory. Now this week's episode. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on Men's Leadership Network podcast. And I'm so thankful that you're here. And I hope and pray that this podcast will continue to help you be the man that God created you to be and be a strong spiritual leader and impact your marriage and impact your family and impact generations for the glory of God. And so I love these podcasts, and I love all the guests that we get to have. And today we're joined by Bob Ravener. Bob, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. Oh, it's great. Let me tell you a little bit about Bob. Bob is an author. I'm looking at his book right now. So, But Bob also uh, spent time in the Naval Academy, graduated from the Naval Academy, and uh, serves on some boards there at the Naval Academy. He's also been in Fortune 200 companies, Pepsi, Starbucks, Home Depot, and Dollar General. So he is uh, an incredible businessman, been very successful. Uh, also, just with his MBA from NYU, very highly educated. Uh, but God has done an incredible work in his life as well. And so today's title is Thriving in the Face of Adversity. And I got to tell you, Bob, your story, you've been through some challenges, you know, to say the least. And yet where you've come from and where you are today has been pretty remarkable. So, Well, I appreciate that, Jeff. And I've certainly had uh, not only the hand of God, I think, on my shoulder my whole life, but a lot of other uh, individuals who have helped me along the way. And uh, when you, you think about the circumstances that my family uh, grew, uh, and I grew up with, uh, while other people have a tremendous amount of uh, adversity in, in their lives, uh, ours was pretty significant. When you think about uh, two alcoholic parents, dysfunctional family. I had five children of us total. I'm second of five. And when you just look back on our lives, um, my family picked up and moved when I was 10 years old, and we lost all of our family possessions when that happened. Uh, when I was 15, all my siblings and I were separated because we had lost our home, and there was nowhere for the family to live. And so we all were separated to go live with friends. By the time I was 18, uh, I had lived in nine different homes. And, you know, by itself, uh, certainly there are people in, in more dire circumstances, but uh, it was, looking back on it, a significant impact on all of us as we, as we walked through life. Wow. So by 18, I mean, you're basically homeless, right? You have no money. Uh, your parents are alcoholics, so there's not probably much of a relationship, and you, you really don't have anything, you know? And yet, by the grace of God, somehow you ended up going to the Naval Academy. Tell us about that. Well, that's where I think, you know, I've always believed in divine intervention. Uh, I was fortunate in that where uh, it could have easy, easily been turned into victimhood and just wallowed in my circumstances. Uh, I had the good fortune of being surrounded by loving, caring teachers, coaches, and I put my energy into athletics and academics. And as that became my respite, 
it also became a way where uh, I was able to learn, grow, and develop from other male figures, especially, who were my te teachers and coaches, uh, certainly female teachers as well. But they saw the potential in me. I was at least um, uh, open-minded enough to absorb what they were able to offer and, and uh, the kind of counseling they were providing and helping nurture me. And together that all landed in somebody I had known through my brother of all, of all folks in a different school, was a recruiter for the Naval Academy. And by that time as a senior in high school, uh, had looked at my background and looked at me and said, you know, hey, you'd be a great, great person that could go to the academy. And I had never even really thought of it as within my reach. We had no money, we had no connections. I was all set. I knew I wanted to go to college and who God knows how I was going to pay for it. But this this kind of just worked out and uh, was able to make the application process and was fortunate to get nominated and appointed. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, I do love that you look back and you see those teachers, those coaches and, you know, think about us as men. We have that opportunity to be pouring into the next generation, and, and we may never know the impact. I mean, I, I don't know if all those teachers know the impact that they've had, but but praise God for where you are today, you know? Well, well so, thank you. And I've tried to live my life that yeah. way as well. You know, I, I, I don't think teachers and coaches get the kind of credit they deserve. And for those, all of us mm -hmm. who grew up, you still remember the names of your elementary school teachers, your early coaches. And for those of us out there that are around young adults and, and youngsters, uh, it is amazing what they all absorb and will remember from their times. And so every one of us can make a difference with any person. You're not going to reach everybody. Uh, not everyone that reached me reached others in my school. But at the same time, there are those enough of those out there that will take what they are given and learn and build from there and we'll never forget those circumstances and what i've tried to do since that time is live a life that gives back to others as well yeah i love that i love that well you got to the naval academy and it wasn't exactly easy there at the naval academy either talk about some of the adversity that you faced in the Naval Academy and how you dealt with it there. Sure, sure. Well, I, I even go further back. Uh, <laughs> I used to walk to church. You know, really? I, grew, I actually grew up Catholic. Yeah. Uh, um, would walk to church by myself as a, as a youngster. Uh, and I, I still remember having that dime in my hand that what I'd, I'd put, put in for the offering. Um, but it was always a respite for me. And, and I know God and the Lord thinks that way where you know, we, we need that nurturing and most often in times of need. And so it was a great way for, for me to get respite as a youngster and then going to the Naval Academy. So I, when I entered the Naval Academy is right after the end of Vietnam. And we had a lot of former POWs on the campus with us. And the mindset back then was, hey, if, if you ever get captured, you've gotta be able to survive in POW camp. And so it was a very, very challenging first freshman year. and. Uh, the chapel, the Naval Academy Chapel, which is stunning and one of the most beautiful uh, buildings in the world, uh, was a great place for additional respite. And just getting into God's house and letting everything else fall away and just be with God, be nurtured, and help get your mind clear. So it was a great way to reduce the stress and the tension uh, during those early days especially. 
Yeah, I, you got to have that time with the Lord, you know, and 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 finding that respite, you know, whether it's the Psalms, you know, and reading and and getting into the Word, or finding a place where you can go and pray, uh, because man, life's hard, you know, life is hard. So, talk about the Naval Academy because you had the opportunity to work in submarines, which I think was fascinating. There, well, everyone at the academy gets to uh, choose a service they they want to go into, and mine was the submarine force, and. Um, what was interesting to me about the submarine force, it was, it was different than, uh, than a lot of, of par- other parts of the Navy. And I was on a, a, a boomer, it's called, it's a, a fleet ballistic missile submarine, which is basically uh, sea-based continental ballistic missiles, which are the single biggest reason in my mind why we're able to continue to uh, avoid nuclear catastrophe because no one on earth knows where those submarines are. And it, it's a great deterrent from catastrophe happening. Uh, but it's also a 425-foot steel tube that uh, spends a lot of time underwater, uh, moving around the ocean, uh, 150 men aboard. And it was a great uh, learning experience as well. And you know, the one thing that submariners always think about is you better come up one more time than you go down. You know, we've lost two submarines in, in the, the nuclear force since the 60s, uh, the Thresher and the Scorpion. And so it's always on, on, uh, on your mind and something that you, you want to make sure that we're really strongly trained and, and that the systems are all working well because it is a dangerous, even in peacetime, it's a very dangerous walk of life. And uh, you've got to make sure that people are clear-headed and, you know, we would do services on the submarine as well while we're at sea, you know, so trying to keep that in mind. But uh, it was, it was great for me, the Academy and the Navy gave me a great start in life. Mm-hmm. You know, again, starting with nothing, you know, I got a guaranteed job when I graduated. Uh, I got some great experiences. I had an engineering background, learned all about pipes, valves, systems, learned about leading other men at that time. So it was a great foundation by which to, uh, to, to jump from there and, and from the military. So I, was, I had uh, almost three years aboard a submarine and then went back to the Naval Academy uh, for my shore duty and I was an instructor. So I went back, my day job was uh, called the academic liaison officer. I was in keeping track of all the athletes' grades, making sure they were remaining academically eligible. But I was also a boxing instructor, baseball coach and recruiter. <laughs> and I tell that story only because what landed me in the business world was not my submarine experience, although that was uh, very helpful when I was out interviewing. And back in those days, there was no transition program. Uh, you really had to figure out on your own what you wanted to do, and I had no idea. And so as I was interviewing around, uh, a staffing manager from PepsiCo looked at my resume and said, oh, coach, instructor, recruiter. That sounds a lot like what we do in the world of human resources. And that's how I landed in the corporate world at PepsiCo and started out at, at the bottom of human resources and went from there. Wow. And, and you went from there, I tell you. <laughs> Talk about some of the adversity that you faced even in the business world uh, as you were coming out of the Navy and getting into Pepsi. And then I know you went to sure. Starbucks. I mean, you had oh, some sure. big well, jobs. You know, the uh, adversity, you know, the, the one thing I've learned uh, in, in my days on earth is everyone faces adversity of, of one form or another. Some face more than others. And you know, I've gone from everything from, you know, we, we didn't have a home, my siblings were separated, to uh, our, we lost our first baby when my wife and I were married. And you had to, and that was while I was still in the Navy, and we had to 
work, work and live through that and, you know, rely on, you know, God in prayer and, and those around us at the same time. Uh, fortunately, had three healthy children after that, now have four grandchildren. So, yeah. I mean, God is good, right? Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I've lost a job along the way. So for all of the experiences and uh, successes along the way, that is only fleeting uh, because you you feel like you're on top of the world one day and then you lose your job the next. Mm-hmm. I mean, we go through these ups and downs and these cycles and people lose jobs all the time for no through no fault of their own. But to me, it's kind of like you, you often hear about, you know, you're going to get knocked down, but are you going to get back up? And how do you get back and how quickly do you get back up? And that's where, to me, the, the learning, the praying and the difference for, for me and, and, and what's helped me along the way was you got to get back up. You, you got to keep going because one of the, the, the comments I make in the book is, you know, life happens. The question is, what are you going to do about it? And you can be a victim and wallow in that, or you can rise above it and find other avenues in which to rise above what's just happened to you. And it happens over and over and over again. And, and I've been fortunate for the, the people in the support networks that I've had over those years, as well as uh, the experiences that recognize that when one door closes, another one opens. Mm. I think that's so profound, you know, it really is how we respond, you know, to the situations that come because we're all going to face adversity, you know, like you said, and, and, and I think we can either let it defeat us or we can let it build us and, and grow us. And, and you did that in your life, you know, and so talk about moving even from Mexico to Starbucks, uh, Home Depot, but then you ended up at Dollar General and, and talk about your time there. Well, that was, uh, Everything you do, I think, in life is uh, is a bridge to the next place. Yeah. Right? And 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 it's not necessarily a straight line. Yeah. Uh, along the way, and so I gained great experiences uh, through those times, and had disappointments along the way. So I went from I was in at PepsiCo into Home Depot, learned and grew during those times. Got recruited to go to Starbucks. Was recruited to ultimately become the head of HR. Uh, CEOs change over. They pick somebody else. I'm second fiddle supporting the organization like i did before but got a call several months after that from this company i thought i had heard of don't think i'd ever been in one uh because i grew up in the northeast and uh this company called dollar general just had gone private back in 2008 and the company was putting a new management team together and uh had i gotten that top job at starbucks never would have taken the call uh, took the call, had an open mind enough to say, okay, I'll listen. I'll, 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 I'll see what this is all about. And it all kind of fell into place. Uh, part of it, I think, was not only the past experiences that I'd had, but me also keeping a, an open mind about something that was an uncertainty, something that I didn't know much about and was taking a risk at the same time. But I got hired on at Dollar General as the chief people officer at the time, we had about 8,000 stores and about 70,000 people or so. And then fast forward to when I retired in 2019, we had almost doubled the number of stores to 16,000 and added 65,000 jobs to the, to the national economy. And even beyond that, which I think, you know, for the economic vitality of this country, those kinds of stories are needed. 
But even more for me, I get no greater uh, pleasure out of helping people grow, develop, and achieve their own career goals and aspirations. And so mm -hmm. the giving back for me was, how do I help others succeed? People help me succeed along the way. And the way I looked at it in my roles uh, as the chief people officer was, you know, we have the ability to change people's lives. It's not what is often referred to as low-wage dead-end jobs being in retail. You could go from a part-time sales associate at Dollar General and be a store manager in three years. And you can go from making, you know, just above minimum wage at the beginning with maybe 10 or 20 hours of work to running a million and a half dollar business within three years. That to me is changing people's lives. Yeah. And then much more opportunity beyond that as well. And so uh, we had to put together tremendous training and development programs, invested heavily in that and, and really helped the organization thrive beyond that. But part of it all was about networking and interacting with others and keeping people engaged in their own capabilities and possibilities. Man. How did you handle the stress? Because there had to be a lot of stress in that, you know, window of doubling. I mean, you basically doubled the entire company in the span of what, 12, 13 ten, years? Yeah, ten, under, under 11 years. Under mm -hmm. 11 years. Mm -hmm. Double the entire company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, how did you handle the stress of that? Well, I think part of it is, uh, you know, there, there are guiding principles and, and life principles you have to live by. You know, if you're, if you're trying to do the right thing. You know, you, you believe, and, and it's kind of a, a makeup of mine, you always believe people start with good intentions, um, that they're trying to do the right thing, and that we're trying to make the world around us better. So you start with that kind of foundation, but then part of it is building for the future. And so the stress of that is, you know, if, if you can put people around you, whether it's in your personal life or professional life, who are going to make you better, mm. everybody's going to get better. And that ultimately reduces the stress. So I think having avenues uh, to engage other people, talk to them about what's going on in their lives. And you, you'll find in a lot of organizations that there is more of a familial kind of relationship mm. because they spend so much time together and they do a lot of things together. And that, in a lot of ways, that helps uh, reduce the stress. Uh, certainly success helps reduce the <laughs> stress along the way. And so working really hard to make sure that we're, we're successful. And part of that success in my mind was continuing to bring great people with potential into the organization and growing them from within, which has been a big part of Dollar General's continued success as these other companies that I've been part of and many successful companies. Yeah, you've been a lot, part of a lot of great companies. <laughs> I mean, between Pepsi, Starbucks, Home Depot, and Dollar General, you kind of hit them all. I do love, as you uh, talked about handling the stress, that, that for guys to open up and, and get help around you, build relationships around you. You know, We talk at Versus a lot about don't go alone. And I think for a lot of men, when we feel stressed, uh, our initial reaction is to pull in on ourselves and to kind of lock down. And, and then it snowballs, right? And You've probably seen at the Naval Academy, you've probably seen just in business, uh, the value of opening up and, and, and giving that stress away or inviting other people in in, in life. I, I really appreciate you saying that. Well, and I, and I think uh, it's incumbent upon people to find those relationships around them to enable those conversations. So I, I give my wife all the credit because before I met her and... Uh, now we've been married over 40 years, but early in our relationship, I never talked about 
my upbringing. I, it, it, no one in school. So when, when people have read my book and look back and the teachers and coaches and even friends I had going through school never knew any of this wow. because you keep it all hidden. Yeah. It's, you know, you were ashamed of it. And so, you know, my wife was a great example of doing that. But I, I think also other, everyone needs other relationships of where people where you can just open up. And, and it only has to be one or two different people that you know that you can count on when you have something that you want to get off your chest and relay that you might be thinking about one way or another or how you might position something. Everyone needs those kinds of outlets in order to do it. The more we turn inward, the harder it becomes because we're sometimes our own worst enemies in terms of what's the right way to handle something. And so I'm, I'm a big advocate of getting out and meeting people and making friends. And not everybody is going to be a close friend. And not everybody is going to be someone that you're going to open up to. But I think we all can find those one or two key individuals that we can trust and uh, almost become coaches with and uh, hold accountable to different things that may be going through our own, our own minds. Man, that's good. That's good. Yeah, opening up to other guys, and then, and then your faith, it stayed with you, you know, all these years, and I mean, you know, I, I love your active part at Rolling Hills and being in church together, and and yet you're also really involved in the community too, Bob, I mean, here in Franklin, and and talk about how your faith has continued to grow, and as you've even grown and aged and matured in your own life. Well, for me, the, the faith is kind of that, that's the stake in the ground, you know, mm. that's, that's the anchor that is the, the, the rock foundation of where everything else goes from there. And, and none of us is perfect. And I mean, we're always going through highs and lows and, and times where you're more engaged or less engaged. And that's just part of life. Um, but having that, that center, that true north, that rock foundation is always something that you can come back to and know it's going to be there. It was kind of like you know, my, my experiences at the Naval Academy Chapel. I could, even when I go back now, Every time I go into that Naval Academy Chapel, it is I'm I'm just grounded. Mm. You know, it's just it's, so it's you're keeping that in, in, in the back of your mind is is a, a core part of it. But I also think um, just in my case, you know, it's, and especially in the business world, it, it's hard, except in a few circumstances, to be an evangelist outwardly, openly, in a secular environment. Mm. And and so my reaction to that is more, I'm just going to live the life that I, that I can be a role model for, that others would look to me and what I try to do and say, how can I be more like that? And then as you build closer relationships, you open up more with other people. But for, for me, in that kind of a setting, it's much more about how am I, how am I trying to live and, and where I may fall short, how do I get back up and try to do again? And in my case, Growing up with my uh, three kids, I'd try to coach every one of their teams and be a role model with the kids and their parents at the workplace, just being a role model of what are the right things for people to do and, and the decisions that we make. You know, you and I had talked uh, earlier about if, if people are honest, mm -hmm. if they're dependable, if they have a good attitude and a good work ethic, they'll never go hungry. Uh, and it sounds simple. But we all know and we experience others who can't put all four of those together. And, some, and sometimes it's for one reason or another. It might be an illness of some kind. It might be uh, uh, somebody's trying to overcome uh, tough circumstances or whatever. But I think the more we can keep 
seeing the light of people's potential and what they can be very good at. And the more of those we can surround ourselves with, uh, the more effective we can ultimately become. Mm. That's good. Because I think a lot of guys, we, we worry, right? We, we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders and we think we've got to be the one to produce and what if something happens. Um, but to let go of that, you know, and to understand God's going to take care of us. And those four things you just mentioned, we do those things, we're going to be okay. You know, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we don't have to live with this anxiety or the stress, you know. And recognize, I, I think it took me a long time to recognize that I'm not the only person this, these kinds of things have ever happened. Yeah. There are other people out there. There are people who are, have had far worse circumstances. Mm. And I think part of breaking down the barrier is one, you know, I grew up in, as a baby boomer, you grew up in this environment where our, our, our parents who were World War II veterans talked about almost nothing. And as our generation's growing up, you're talking about, well, you know, the, the man's got to be the strong one. And, and unless you can carry the weight yourself, you're, you're falling short of mm -hmm. things to the point where if you can finally recognize that you're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's always the hand of God that yes. to, to fall back on. But then there are other people out there who, can, who have s had similar circumstances who can might maybe help you through those circumstances. And if, if nothing else, can at least listen to those circumstances and be, be a, a, a shoulder, a hand on your shoulder and someone that can encourage you to do something different that will change things. And, and for me, uh, as you think about the time that I retired, I, we moved to Franklin. We were in Williamson County for the, now the last 15 years, but retired to Franklin, moved to Franklin uh, about five years ago. Didn't know anybody really in Franklin. I knew people through my business connections, and all, but really didn't know anybody in Franklin. So I just got started getting involved. You know, when people ask me, well, how am I go out and meet people, especially post-COVID when the world has become in so insulated, I went out and joined Franklin Downtown Rotary. Uh, I, I have a, a passion for parks and trails, so I got involved in the Friends of Franklin Parks organization. I'm now on the Franklin's Charge Board. Uh, I, I've, I've gotten involved in a number of different things, for one reason, to just go out and meet who, who are my neighbors, who can then become your friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's amazing what expanding that network can do for, for anyone. And what it's done for me is all of a sudden, five years later, I have a lot of friends in Franklin. I have a, a lot of, uh, I know a lot about what's going on. And it's opened up an entirely new world, which I knew almost nothing about five years ago. Mm, that's amazing. And I love you take the initiative. You know, so often we sit back and we wonder why I'm not getting connected or I'm not building friendships, but you got to step out. You got to take the initiative. Well, and you're right. And, uh, but not everybody's like that. And, yeah. and what I would encourage others to do is bring, so I, I'm, I may not have jumped into Rotary as quickly as I did, but I had a friend and neighbor down the street said, hey, you ought to come visit us at Rotary. So other people can do that as well. So if, if they are part of an organization, yeah. Let your friend, let your neighbor, let somebody who's looking for connections come and visit one of those meetings or whatever organization that is. And part of it is finding their passion. What is it they can get excited about? So when they are, are actually participating, they feel good about what they're doing and they feel like they can make a difference. Mm, that's great. Well, we've titled this, you're right, Thriving in the Face of Adversity. And obviously you haven't just survived the adversity, you've thrived in the adversity. I mean, 
to where you are today and the many boards you sit on. I mean, still being on the board at the Naval Academy and uh, athletics and all the things you're dealing with there. Uh, but talk about just give us like one or two takeaways that you would say on the thriving side, because we're all going to face adversity. Right. And you talked about when you knock down, getting back up. But is there anything else you've learned kind of in your your time about, man, you know, see adversity as a way to thrive and not just like I got to get through this. But what I can learn from this, what are the things that you would say? Well, I think every circumstance we go through is a learning experience, mm. you know, so learn from all of those experiences and, and, and whether it's, it, it's God given, God, uh, driven or, or otherwise, uh, finding that silver lining within every circumstance is at least keeping your head above water. And once you can keep your head above water, then you can start thinking beyond today and tomorrow. And so I think, uh, avoid being a victim of circumstances and find a way to, and, and part of it is just one step at a time. You're not going to go from zero to a hundred overnight. And if you can take one step at a time, and, and I think it's surrounding yourself with people who make you better, not worse, uh, which I've always tried to do. I, I try to follow the lead of people that I have seen are, are, God-like in their actions, uh, spiritually, and uh, how they live their li daily lives. I focus my attention on, uh, I'd like to be like that, and how do I help do that? Uh, stay away from those, those uh, individuals or, or circumstances that move you in the other direction. And I think I've, I've certainly benefited from being around good people who mean well for me and others. And I've tried to stay away throughout my life uh, from people that are only interested in their own benefit and taking advantage of others or steering you in the wrong direction. Mm, that's good. Yeah, that's good. You're known by the company you keep, right? You know, so finding those right people around you. Bob, one last question. What do you want your legacy to be? Well, my legacy is really uh, I want my family to uh, thrive mm. in the face of adversity uh, over time. And hopefully any any examples that I can help convert to them that they can learn from will, will be. But but in, in a greater sphere, the people that I'm around feel like I'm a positive influence on them and I can help make their lives better and different than if we had not come in contact. So I. For me, it's it's really how do I how do I make people around me better, and which will ultimately help me become better, and we can all continue down that that uh, journey of continuous improvement. Mm. And so, if we can all keep getting a little better every day, we're going to keep winning. Oh, I love that. I love that. Get better every day. Yeah, get better every day. Hey, guys, I'd love for you if you have a chance to pick up Bob's book. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's called Up. The difference between today and tomorrow is you. And so Bob Ravener, great book. Love for you to grab that uh, with you. And, and Bob, I'd like to just say, too, thanks for your service. You know, thank thanks you for your service to our country. And thank you for your service to our king and our kingdom. Um, God is using you, you know, and, and even in our community, God's using you in a mighty way and in his church. And, and I'm just grateful for you. And so thanks for for your service and for your heart for others. So. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, it's Th good. and thanks for what you're doing for the community. Oh, I love it. So, hey, let me pray for us, guys. 
Father God, thanks for today. Thanks for Bob. God, thank you for the way that you've used him um, through the years. And God, what a story. I mean, you talk about thriving in the face of adversity. I mean, um, from what he grew up with and um, to going and the opportunity you've given him at the Naval Academy, God, uh, and, and that the chapel, just meeting you there. And I think about every one of us. I hope and pray we have a place that we go. We, we can feel your presence and are renewed and strengthened. And I pray for every man listening. God, there's going to be seasons in our life that are really good, and there's going to be seasons that are hard. And so I know there's some guys that are listening right now that are in a hard season. And I pray, Father, that you would use this to encourage them, to strengthen them, Father, that we would get up, Father, that we would go forward every day. We would get better and that we would become the men you created us to be, Father. And so bless every guy right now. And uh, thanks for Bob. And thank you, Father, for this time. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, what a great podcast, guys. And I hope you pray you take for a day, you learn, and you grow, and every day we get better. So be watching every Friday. We got the Man Minute coming out. And then also just want to put on your radar, Verses is coming up. Our big Verses event will be on May 4th at the Ag Center. Jeff Foxworthy is oh, headlining. will be there, Mike Fisher, and we've got a big lineup that night. It's going to be amazing. So get some friends, sign up. Early bird specials going on right now. I'd love for you to be a part. Uh, God's at work. And man, so thankful that you're a part of the Men's Leadership Network with us. So blessings on your day, guys. See you next month. You've been listening to the Men's Leadership Network podcast. We pray that what you've learned today will be helpful as you strive to become a better leader in your home, your workplace, and community. And as always, if you were impacted by today's podcast, we hope that you'll subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with others. And be sure to join our email list so you make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that now and find all of our past episodes at mensleadershipnetwork.com. We'll be back with a new episode on the first Friday of every month. Thanks for listening.